The Praetorian Guard was an elite unit of the Imperial Roman Army whose members served as personal bodyguards and intelligence for Roman emperors. The Praetorian clinical study is about protection. What Praetorian means today is protection of the heart and vasculature from the clinical challenges of endocardial leads. Hi there, I'm Wyatt Stahl, and I'm here to reveal what SICD technology is, where it's headed, and most importantly, why you should be paying attention. Please come along as I learn with principal researchers, examine recent studies, and follow the science to get you straight to the heart of this exciting technology. This is Leading the Charge. The Praetorian trial was designed to address many of the physician questions that were raised by the SICD technology and its approach to treating sudden cardiac death. Before we can discuss the results, I think it's important we take a minute to really put the trial parameters into context. The Praetorian trial is the first prospective randomized study comparing SICD versus transvenous ICD therapy, and the SICD obviously was involved. This is Dr. Renaud Knops, principal investigator for Praetorian. The hypothesis of the Praetorian trial is not in that a selected young population, but in a conventional ICD population to investigate whether the SICD is non-inferior to the transvenous ICD with respect to major ICD-related adverse events. From the baseline characteristics, we achieved our primary goal of investigating SICD in a conventional patient population. The SICD, from its fundamental standpoint, was designed to have all of the detection enhancements and capabilities to determine if a rhythm should be treated or not to essentially largely be on from the beginning. Transvenous is meant to be more of a blank slate where you turn features on as you need them or think that they will be needed in the future. For many clinicians, the lack of that programmability raised an inherent distrust of an SICD system. That raised a necessity of a trial which did a head-to-head -head comparison in patients where they're randomized. So to date, there had been no randomized data until the Praetorian trial came out and obviously we're interested to see how these variables acted. We randomized these patients one-to-one -one in 39 centers in the EU and the US, over 400 patients in the SICD arm and 400 transvenous ICD arm. And then we followed these patients with a median follow-up duration of 48 months for the primary endpoint, the ICD trouble, complications and inappropriate shocks. So you have a wide range of clinical practice and reimbursement systems, not to mention different healthcare systems. All of those things essentially are built into the study to see do you have a different outcome when you look at multiple different methods of doing these therapies. The design of the trial is to include patients with a class 1 or 2A indication for ICD therapy, not only primary but also secondary prevention according to EU and US guidelines with an important exclusion criteria that these patients had no indication for pacing, either Brady, CRT, or ATP. When you look at the publication in the New England Journal, we also added in the uh, supplements a flowchart of how the patients for the Praetorian trial were selected and how hospitals went about in selecting patients for the Praetorian trial 
and who they excluded. So if you review patients uh, for the Praetorian trial, about 15% of the patients were excluded because of perceived Brady pacing indication. Over 90% of the patients had an ischemic or non-ischemic cardiomyopathy. 20% had secondary prevention indication and the median injection fraction was 30% in this trial. One of the early questions raised about the SICD technology was the average patient age at implant. It was significantly younger than most transvenous clinical trials. So there were questions, how does this compare the SICD therapy in an older population? Because as you can see here, the median age of the Praetorian population was 63, uh, more or less comparable to the age categories uh, that we know from the SCUD-HEFT and the MEDIC trials. From the introduction, the SICD has been mainly used in the younger patient population. So the, the data that we, that we currently have of SICD comes from registries with patients with a relative preserved ejection fraction. And from that data, we already know that there is a high shock, shock efficacy with the SICD comparable to transvenous ICDs. There are many very intriguing aspects of the design of the Praetorian study. One is that it allowed transvenous devices from all manufacturers. So there really was a wide range of experience with different devices and endocardiolite systems. And another interesting aspect was the patients are being treated the same. So all of the patients were eligible for either therapy. Before patients were randomized to either the SICD or transvenous ICD arm, they had to pass screening for an SICD, looking at three channels on a surface EKG with the patient in various postures to ensure that the signal quality on the surface EKG would be sufficient for the SICD system. Now, what was the key takeaway from Dr. Knops himself? There's no debate whether the efficacy of the SICD is similar to the transvenous ICD. In my opinion, I think that the SICD based on this data, should at least be considered in all patients in need of an ICD without a pacing indication. Now, I would like to say the case is closed at this point, but we all know there's more to the story. So let's be fair, we can dig a little deeper into those results. We came up with this very low uh, rate of patients that needed pacing. And it is encouraging to me that the same percentage was, uh, was seen in the registries that were previously published with the SICD, but also in this somewhat older patient population, we had this very low percentage of patients that uh, finally needed uh, uh, a different device for pacing purposes. You see here with four-year follow-up that in transvenous ICD, ICD trouble was present in 15.7% of the patients. So that's a combined endpoint of inappropriate shocks and complications. And in the SRCD arm, um, this was similar. So this was 15.1%, and that makes it uh, with a p-value of 0.01, non-inferior uh, with regard to the primary endpoint of ICD trouble uh, in both of the arms. In the conventional primary and secondary prevention ICD population, the SICD is non-inferior to the transvenous ICD with respect to major ICD-related adverse events. So there's a non-significant lower ICD complication rate in SICDs with definitely less lead-related complications with the SICD. And there's a non-significant higher inappropriate shock rate in the SICD. So in any ICD trial, it's important to look at mortality. There is a number, numerical difference in mortality 
13.1% versus 16.4% at four years. But this is almost all caused by non-cardiovascular deaths, like infectious disease and malignancies. If you look at the sudden cardiac death rate, the number was 18 in both groups. It gets more interesting when you look to lead-related complications like pneumothorax, uh, lead perforations, four versus zero, and the number of lead repositionings and lead replacement. And if you add all those lead-related complications together, you see this interesting uh, picture arise that there's a clear significant difference in lead-related complications if you look at the SICD versus transvenous ICD, one versus 6%. And this, in my opinion, is exactly the reason why the SRCD was developed to overcome these lead-related complications. One of the numerical differences that Dr. Knops mentioned was that the mortality difference with the ICD was 13.1% versus 16.4% at four years with the SICD. Although that difference is 3.3%, they found it was almost all caused by non-cardiovascular deaths like infections, disease, and malignancies. And then if you look at that four-year outcome, I think it's very important that our patients know about that, uh, that non-inferiority outcome when they are involved in the decision in selecting the device. One aspect of the Praetorian trial that you could consider implementing in your own practice is getting into the routine of screening patients for an SICD when you've identified them as needing sudden cardiac death therapy. By screening all of the patients, then you also have the option of those patients that pass that they could get either a transvenous or an SICD, hence widening the group of patients that can make that choice about which therapy they would like. So that would be my advice. Uh, take your patient also seriously, uh, inform them of this data, and then in the shared decision-making process, um, uh, decide which device is best for them. Now, recently, there has been some vigorous debate about aspects of the Praetorian trial. Now, for example, one letter to the editor stated that they disagreed with appropriate shock classification of shocks for slow VTs, and they were concerned that this definition was not predefined in the protocol. Dr. Knopf's answer was the Praetorian investigators predefined shocks for all VTs as appropriate to be consistent with the endpoint definitions utilized in the Made at RIT and Scott Heft landmark trials. Vigorous debate is at the heart of moving forward with changes in medical approaches. Carefully reviewing the trials and the data is the key to unlocking the truth. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading the Charge. Next time, we'll dive into the specifics of patient selection. Now, a little spoiler alert, if you're still thinking that SICD is a niche therapy, you might want to think again. But for now, that'll about do it. Thanks for joining me in Leading the Charge. I'm Wyatt Stahl. Until next time. For more information regarding the SICD and its indications for use, please visit bostonscientific.com SICD. For more information regarding SICD and its indications for use within the European Union, please visit bostonscientific.eu slash S-ICD.